This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to this extra discussion of AutoLine Detroit. And joining me right now are Michael Robinett from CSM Worldwide, Aaron Bragman from IHS Global Insight, and Eric Merkel, Merkel from Auto Economy. Uh, Eric, we just saw Ford come out with its third quarter earnings a week ago or so. Uh, they made a billion dollar profit. I mean, this stunned everybody. The street said they were gonna consensus on the street. 14 cents share lost. Right, In fact, right. I think they made 24 cents a share. I mean, how did they pull the rabbit out of the hat, or is it just that, a rabbit out of the hat? Well, I, I don't think it's a rabbit out of the hat. I think Ford has been doing some great things, you know, on the product side. Uh, they've been able to reduce and lower their overhead cost structure. Um, and it, you're right, it surprised a lot of people, uh, the fact that they were able to turn that type of profit. Now, is that sustainable? Is it going to be, you know, will we have other bumps in the road? It, we may not see that that type of profit again repeated in the fourth quarter. Of course, we had the cash for clunkers, which of course kind of helped to stimulate things a little bit and they had to catch up with production because the inventories are so low. But long term, if you look at the trend for Ford and the way that their market share is going and their product cadence, um, it's very difficult to bet against them right now. The more even the more interesting parts was the fact that they're now earning $2,700 a vehicle on average, more than they were. Just the net pricing improvements alone, some of that came mm -hmm. from a, a drastic reduction in incentives. Um, they didn't really, frankly, need them. If the government's kicking in $4,000 for cash for clunkers, why are you kicking in that much more? But they've also basically rejiggered a lot of how they're packaging everything, the trims, the actual, uh, the, the way they build out everything. It's they had this brain trust that I've been reading about that's basically a room full of PhDs and economists and mathematicians that has studied how they're going to actually uh, arrange their pricing, and the really, it's, it's been a dramatic improvement. I've never seen anything like $2,700 a vehicle. Yeah, well, it's all under, comes under what they call revenue management, yeah. right? So. Well, it's quality market share. It's really what it comes down to. It's, it's building better product, packaging it better, making sure you don't throw too much money on the hood and you don't get too crazy with volume. Um, it really gets down to the basics, and I think that they finally got a management team over there that understands, you know what, if we're gonna have a future in this industry, we gotta get down to the basics and fix some constructs. And it takes a long time. This started a couple of years ago and it's going to continue on for another couple of years until they get the, the whole cycle of vehicles finally moving in the right direction. The other thing I think is important is really it's a convergence of all these things that are happening. So you've got the objective quality scores and then you've also got the perception or the subjective quote, you know, when you visually when you see that's a great looking interior. Uh, it's really handsome. You've got the different textures, you've got the different materials, everything fits together. I mean, there's a huge um, uh, qualitative aspect, you know, to the quality of a vehicle. I think Ford is achieving that. Um, the other thing is safety. Uh, you know, they've made, they've had some real safety improvements in their vehicles, and some of it we could, you know, attribute some of that to help, uh, you know, through their relationship with Volvo. Um, and today we saw the um, the the rear seat. Inflatable uh, seat belt. Inflatable seat belts in the rear. Exactly. So they're the first to go into production with that. So mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. kudos for them. I want to go back to uh, the, the, the dropping or the lessening of the, the incentives, though. To me, this is huge. This is key. Mm -hmm. They were spending, what, $3,500 mm -hmm. thereabouts, GM, Ford, and Chrysler each. Isn't this why we're seeing such a dramatic turnaround? I, I think this is key to Ford's return to profitability. The fact that GM has said, hey, we're now able to afford to keep Opal, I gotta believe is because they got more cash on hand. Chrysler's saying we're gonna be profitable in a few years' time. I, I, I just wanna get some of your guys' right. feedback it, on that. It comes back, really, it's a, it's a value equation. you know. So, and again, there, there's a subjective aspect to that as well. 
when you have a car that looks, I always talk about, you know, it looks like it should be priced three or four thousand dollars more than the sticker would indicate, that's creating value. When you have a car that's um, uh, looks like it should be priced $5,000 less than the windows, that's called an incentive. So, uh, and I think Ford is doing a very good job on the execution from a product perspective in creating that, that perception of value. Part of that, though, we also have to look at is inventory. I mean, you can thank cash for clunkers for right. the reason that we don't need incentives for the last quarter here, because they've sold out of so many products. They're now, didn't Ford say something like 80 or 90 percent of their current inventory are 2010 models, which is not a, a factor that you get to usually until the first quarter of next year. Sure, right. So they don't have to put a bunch of cash on the hood in order to, mm -hmm. get to, the, to get the vehicles out the door. But I'm worried what it might do towards fourth quarter sales because you have other automakers that are putting these kinds of discounts out there. And I'm worried that Ford may have to come up with a couple of discounts in order just to appear competitive. Even though you've got a 2010, you're not going to have a lot of cash on the hood. You could go to your Chevy dealer potentially and get better deal. It may have to create something for that. It's probably a good thing though because let's face it, we're going to be paying more for vehicles because of the, the emissions and the fuel economy improvements are going to be required as well as the safety has been talked about. Uh, so we, we got to get customers starting to think about, yeah, maybe I do need to spend a little bit more for my new vehicle in the future. Um, and and this, this, this kind of regiment that they're building in, it, it's been needed for years now. M Motown is not, not about moving the metal. We got to move it profitably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's no more jobs bank. There's a whole lot less capacity. Uh, that's going to be, I think, the key to building to market demand rather than build to an economic model that says, hey, if we can't lay them off and we can't close plants, we may as well build them and discount them. I think them days is gone. And it's a good thing. And it is a very good thing. I, I, I think for the first time in my career, GM, Ford, and Chrysler, uh, assuming they all get back on their feet and the world economy comes back, are going to be able to compete for the first time in 40 years, damn near 40 years. Uh, what about October sales? What did you guys uh, look at that? We came in at about a 10.4 annualized rate. It was like 835,000 units for the month or something like that. I, I thought it was a solid number uh, given where we've been, okay? And throwing out, you know, the cash for clunker. Um, no hangover, push. no more no hangover hang, from no more cash hangover. for clunkers, right? You, know, you got to throw out August because that was cash for clunker driven. But, you know, if you start taking a look at a 10.4, 10.5 million unit SAR, that's uh, certainly an improvement over we've been at, uh, compared to where we've been at the first half of the year. And I think that, you know, those sales will continue to improve, uh, particularly as, uh, you know, economic fundamentals improve as well for the overall U.S. economy. We start to get a little bit of stability, stabilization in the labor markets and uh, we'll start to see those sales um, move higher. What about Chrysler's collapse? And that's the only way I can describe it. I mean, a 30% drop in sales. They were the only ones that took a nosedive like that of, mm -hmm. of the full-line manufacturers. It's 30% off of last year, which was 35% off of yeah. the prior year. When you look at the year-to-date number, when you look at the year-to-date number currently, they're at around 780,000. Two years ago, the year-to-date number was 1.7 million. So they've lost mm -hmm. a million units of sales in two years to this point, basically in November. That's an astonishing drop. But why the drop off in October? Did they run out of inventory or what happened? They haven't started building many of the 2010s yet. They only sold like five or 600 calibers the because they didn't have any. They, they're just now starting to build the 2010s. Cash for Clunkers cleaned them out. Bankruptcy compounded that problem because everything got shut down as they're trying to rebuild and restart everything. So I think they may be having a little bit of an issue restarting some of these plants and getting the inventory out to dealers. Mm -hmm. Two other surprises. GM gained market share and Hyundai is on a roll. Are they just buying market share? Talk about both there, Michael. No, I, I think Hyundai is, is almost uh, do, doing what, what, we're, what we earlier were talking about Ford. Uh, it's better quality vehicles, better value, 
um, building that greater residual value. You know, you can talk about their warranty all you want, but it's actually built confidence in the vehicle and people don't feel that, you know, they're taking a chance in the vehicle. Kia is run right along with it, but frankly, it's better vehicles. You look at the Kia Forte, it's a fantastic vehicle for what you get for the money you pay. It's a great vehicle. And it looks good. And it looks good. It, it's not a penalty box. <laughs> and people don't, people don't want to buy appliances anymore. I mean, I mean, if you want to buy an appliance, there, there are a couple of manufacturers out there that sell them, but uh, they're willing to pay for that vehicle for the value that, that it brings to the equation. Um, I, and I was happy to see GM. I mean, frankly, there is a lot of decent product out there. I think, you know, it's easy to diss them and say, oh, you know, it's General Motors, same old thing. And yeah, while, while Saturn will be on the downturn. And, and is. Pontiac, and, and, and Pontiac is essentially well, out as well. That, and, and I'm glad you brought that point up because, you know, well, Hummer sales were never much of anything and now they're way down. Saab sales were never much of anything, but they're still way down. Saturn sales were, you know, mediocre, but they're way down. Right. And Pontiac sales are starting to tail off. And yet GM gained market share. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's product. That's what it comes down mm -hmm. to. It's 95% of their sales now were the four core brands, where it was something like 85% of it a year ago. So, mm -hmm. I mean, they are really making progress in, the, in these areas where they've introduced new models. And like you said, some of the new stuff, the Equinox we were talking about earlier, is really it's a, fanat the it's Equinox, a fantastic I mean, product. I had a chance to, not too long ago, drive the new Kia uh, Sorento. What a phenomenal vehicle. I mean, when you start taking a look at the value that, as you were talking about earlier, Mike, um, you know, in terms of the fit, finish, the styling, the materials that are used in the interior, the overall, I mean, the, the vehicle is, represents a great value. I think the Equinox is another one of those vehicles. In fact, those two vehicles in that crossover segment, I think, are really at the top of their game, the mm -hmm. Equinox and the new Sorento. Yeah. Um, so again, it, it does, it largely gets back to that, that product equation. Okay, one last topic and then we'll hang it up. Opal, GM announcing it's going to keep Opal. Reactions? Mm -hmm kind of don't know why the Europeans are so surprised at this, frankly, but they're all up in arms over it. Um, we've basically been saying that this is what they were going to happen. The first time we saw a delay of this purchase, a lot mm -hmm. of us kind of sat back and went, you know what, they're going to try and wait because they need Opal. Mm -hmm. Opal is extremely important for them. It's important for volume. It's important as an engineering resource. It's important as a premium brand for Europe to simply abandon all of that potential. It's just, GM loses their global scale without, yeah. without Opal in my opinion. So, I mean, I've, I've talked, same as, as Aaron, I mean, we're on the same page. I've um, talked about Opal as well, and you, you take that piece, that's too big of a hole to take out of GM going forward. If you want to be competitive with, say, a Toyota, Volkswagen, and a Ford on a global scale, um, you're going to need Opal to do it. Was this just serendipity, or were they planning to say, let's let everybody put their cards on the table before we make a decision. I think in this case, you're, you're always, you, you want to try and play the, the market as best you can. And they were, they were waiting and waiting and waiting, knew that the German elections had already gone by, and there was a lot of anticipation mm -hmm. up to it. But I, I think in the end, um, that's the home of Delta and Epsilon. Now, Epsilon as a platform may move to the United States as a, as a center, but it's you need Delta. If you look at the C segment, that's where all the growth is globally. And, and you're going to let that platform go to somebody else and, and not necessarily know exactly what's going to happen to it. That's not a great idea. I, I think, you know, they probably sat around and said, are the negatives outweighing the positives? Yes, we need to keep this and do what we can with it. But it, it's a project. There's, there's no doubt it's a project. Well, thanks for sticking around and sharing your viewpoints on sure. these topics. It's been great having all three of you here. Michael Robin at CSM Worldwide, Aaron Bragman, IHS Global Insight, and Eric Merkel, Auto Economy. Thank you, and thank you, thank you who have tuned in on the web.